My name is Ricky. I'm one of the pastors here. It's so great to be with you, City Light family. Um, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews 4. It's pretty far to the back of your Bible. Um, so yeah, while you're turning there, um, man, this past week was incredibly cold. I mean, it, it was, I mean, like, you know, hey, that polar vortex thing, I don't know. But, you know, it's like so cold, it's below freezing. I mean, on top of that, there's the wind, everything. And I don't like the cold at all. I just don't like it. To me, I'm like, the only reason it should be cold is to like keep, you know, ice at the polar caps or something. Like, that's it. Not in around here at all. And so this winter, but especially this past week, I have been thinking about, you know what would be really cool and awesome is to go to one of those all-inclusive resorts, uh, you know, in the Caribbean, you know, yeah. I mean, like that, that's a lot better than this past week. You know, I could be like, hey, I'm sitting there chilling in the pool, you know, the sand, the ocean, all of that thinking it would just be great um, to be on the beach. And, um, but, you know, right now I'm like, well, I don't have the time or money to go do that. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not alone, right? I mean, like there's some of you are like, hey, yeah, I, I would like to go do that uh, now as well. Or, you know, I didn't, but now you showed me a picture. I do want to get out of here. Um, <clears throat> but um, now what if I told you like, hey, I know, I know you all guys want to go with me to this cool beach and go to the all-inclusive resort, but hey, why don't you just come over to my house? I'm going to put this, this picture uh, you know, of, the, of the beach and everything. I'm going to put it up on my screen. And why don't you just get in a swimsuit and put on some sunglasses. And you know what? Uh, you know, we'll get some ocean sounds. I could even get this fan and it's kind of like blowing on us. And you know, we get some chips and guac. And man, it'll be like awesome. You know, and you're like, yeah, that, that'd be funny and silly and kind of dumb. But yeah, Ricky, uh, yeah, it's just not the same, man. Uh, you know, because, you know, it's just so much better to actually go to the real resort rather than just staring at a picture of it in your living room. It, it's, it doesn't even come close. It, it's just so much better. Um, and and the, none of us, if we, if, we, if we had the choice, if we had the option to go to the real thing, none of us would take that option. We wouldn't settle for that. The only way that we would settle for just looking at the picture is if we just didn't know how much better the real thing was. That's the only way that we'd settle for it. And, and that's what the author here in Hebrews 8, he, he's pointing us and his readers to saying like, hey, if you really knew how much better what Jesus came to give us, you'd never go back to the, just the picture. You'd always go to the real thing. And so open up your Bibles to Hebrews 8. And this is what it says, verse 1. Now the point... And what we were saying is this. Now, I love this because I don't know if you've been reading Hebrews. At times, Hebrews is pretty hard to understand. Um, yeah, even for me, you know, like it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of confusing. So I love it that, hey, you've been reading through these first seven chapters. And I just want to tell you the point of it. So it's like, hey, thanks, man, for clearing that up. So here's the point. We have such a high priest talking about Jesus, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne, uh, in the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not, not man, not people. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. That's, you know, that's what they do. This is necessary for this priest, Jesus, to also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to wreck the, the tent, that's talking about the tabernacle, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. And so first point, first observation is Jesus' better ministry. Jesus has a better ministry. And so the theme of this, 
this whole chapter is that Jesus has brought us a better covenant. He's brought us, brought us a new thing, a new paradigm, a new system, and this, this better covenant, and that we, we have it in Jesus. And so he's telling us, hey, this is why it's better. This is why the new covenant is better. And so in verses one through five, he's saying, hey, Jesus has this better ministry, better ministry than the old covenant, better ministry than the old priests. And he gives us two reasons of why Jesus's ministry is better. And the first one is that, well, he, Jesus is a better high priest. His ministry is better because he's better. He's a better high priest. Um, <clears throat> and so where it says in verse one, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. Now, for us, that might not really mean much. We're like, okay, so he's sitting down. Big deal. In the tabernacle, in the temple, in the, in the Holy of Holies, where, you know, the presence of God, there were no seats. There were no chairs. The, the priests always had to stand because their work was never finished. They had to continue to make sacrifices for sin, sacrifices for uncleanliness, day after day after day. And every time they're making these sacrifices, you know, sacrificing these lambs, these goats, all these things... It's just this reminder that, hey, this isn't really it. This isn't actually completely paying the price for sin. This isn't uh, ever providing a finished salvation. And so when Jesus is seated, when he's sitting down, it's, it's this indication that, hey, his work is done. His atoning work is completely done. He's paid the price for sin in full. I mean, even Jesus from the cross, he says, it is finished. And Jesus, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't offer up the, the blood of, of lambs or goats or anything like that. He offered himself his own blood to be the sacrifice. And so Jesus dying on the cross has the power to take away the stain of sin forever. And so think of it this way, of the Old Testament and the Old, uh, the old System uh, many of you have maybe credit card debt or school loans or something like that. And so you have your principal, and that's the amount of the loan. That's the amount like, hey, I'm going to borrow $50,000 to pay for school or you know, whatever it is. Uh, and so you have that principal amount, and then <clears throat> the interest is what keeps adding to it you know, all, all along as you don't pay that off, and it just keeps building up. And so the Old Testament, uh, the, the sacrifices that the priests are doing, at best, is just paying on the interest. It doesn't actually pay off what you really owe. It's just dealing with the interest. But when Jesus came, died on the cross, was crucified, he pays it off completely. All the interest is gone, all the payment, the principal, everything, it's paid for completely. Not because of anything that you've done, but because Jesus died in our place. <clears throat> And so because of that, his atoning work, it's paid. He's sitting down, and he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. And this is saying, hey, he's not only a priest, but he's a king. He's in the actual presence of God. Right there, he's exalted at the right hand of God. So he's this superior high priest. That is what makes his ministry better. And the second reason that Jesus' ministry is better is that he ministers in a better place. And so we see that in verses 2 through 5. And especially in 2 through 5, it's talking about, hey, there's this earthly tent. And hey, the, you know, it says that in verse 5 that they serve a shadow, you know, what, what, you know a, a, a type. What, what does that exactly mean? And so um, the, the earthly tent, it was, it's referring to the tabernacle. And um, the, the tabernacle was um, <clears throat> after the people, the, the Israelites came out of Egypt, after they freed, or after God freed them, they get out into uh, the wilderness, and God says, "Hey, 
now that I freed you and made you my people, I've done this for you. I want, you know, let's inter- I want us to interact better. I want us to have this relationship. And so he says, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, he gives Moses these instructions to make the tabernacle. And, and it's basically this mobile place to meet with God. But this tabernacle, it's, it, people make it, man makes it, and it's set up on earth. It, it, and it's, it's not the place that full salvation was ever won. Because it's not, the real, it, it, it's not the real heavenly place of God. It's not the real presence of God. It, it, it's a pointing to. It's like the picture, you know, of the beach. It, it, it's not the point, right? The p- picture of the beach is not the point. It's telling you, hey, that's the point. I'm, I'm pointing you to the actual beach. And so this tabernacle and, and all of these things that were set up are pointing us to the real thing. And it's just this kind of this shadow or this type of the real heavenly temple, the real heavenly presence of God. And so Jesus, that, that he goes into the actual presence of God. He, that's him, him there. And so he's purchased us, not just like on the earthly tent, not just in the tabernacle, but in the heavenlies, in, in the real place, the better place um, for that and because of his sacrifice. And so you know it's paid for in full. And so... Um, just continuing on, so to, to explain some things. So in verse 4, now it says, Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. That, that might sound a little bit confusing, but what that's saying is, is that the old, t- the old system with the old priests, they had, there were certain guidelines, there were certain restrictions. They had to be in the tribe of Levi, and they had to be in the line of Aaron. And so Jesus doesn't fit that mold. He's from a different tribe, and he's not in the line of Aaron. And that's actually on purpose because this is God's plan all along. And so God is saying, hey, Jesus doesn't fit the old mold. He doesn't fit the old system. He doesn't fit the old ways. And I've made that purposely that way because what Jesus is doing, he's not coming to just kind of tweak the old system. He's not coming to just kind of make a little bit of an upgrade or anything like that. Jesus came to completely replace the old covenant, the old system. It's totally different. And um, so um, in this, you don't just kind of take Jesus, because, because again, the readers here, they are people that are used to the old Jewish ways. The old, you know, hey, we make sacrifices, that's how this thing works, and they're facing persecution, so they're wanting to go back to their old ways. And the author is saying, don't do that. Don't just take Jesus and then slap him on your old ways. Don't just take your old beliefs and then just blend them right in, right? And sometimes we do the same thing, right? I mean, maybe a lot of you, you know, some of your life, you're just like, hey, I'm going to get right with God because I'm, I'm a good person. And if I act a certain way, then God's happy with me and I've, I've been made right with him. Now, it's not just like, oh, and I just stick Jesus on that. That's not what we do, right? It's not, hey, I'm made right with God because of Jesus and because of what I do. Nope, that, that's just sticking Jesus on your old beliefs. It's saying, no, you're made completely right because of Christ. It's not Jesus and your works. It's, it's none of that. Mike, uh, one of our college directors, the guy that did the call to worship, he, uh, he's, he bought a flip phone and uh, the, he bought this flip phone to say, hey, I'm going to unplug, I'm going to kind of, uh, you know, focus on people better, um, but then he kept carrying around his old phone. 
So he has the flip phone and he has his iPhone with him all the time. And I know you're thinking, Mike's not too bright, is he? Um, you know, I, yeah, I guess he's not, but he's still on staff. So uh, praise God for him. Um, but you're, you're kind of like, well, wait a minute. That doesn't really work. If you, if you can't just get an, a flip phone and think it's all going to change if you keep carrying around your iPhone. And, and that's what the author here is saying. It's like, hey, it doesn't work if you just keep carrying around the old thing. It, it, it's not Jesus and being a good person. Or if you're like, hey, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I believe in Jesus. You know, well, you know yeah, sure, he, he existed and, you know, hey... Uh, but, and then you just think like, hey, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to do whatever I think and live however I want. But yeah, just slap Jesus on it. It doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't come to just kind of like tweak some of your behaviors or, or, to, or to just like, yeah, sure, Jesus existed. Jesus came to change your life, change everything. And the author here is pointing us to that of why the covenant in Jesus is better. And so Jesus' ministry is better you know, that, that's the first point, and it's just, again, pointing us to the second point, and really the whole, the whole point of the text is that we have a better covenant that's built on better promises. We have a better covenant built on better promises. And so verse 6, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises, circle, underline that, better promises, for if that first covenant had been faultless, if it had been perfect, then there would be no occasion to look for the second. So that, that word there, covenant, if you're like, wait, what does that mean? You know, it basically means this agreement, this contract between two parties. Say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And we have this agreement out of these promises. And, and this was made, again, after God brought the people out of Egypt. And Moses is, is mediating this contract. And then, so after he brings them out, then God uh, gives Moses the laws, starts with the Ten Commandments, and then he gives them more laws, and there's 613 laws to be exact for them to follow. Now, the point of the law wasn't to save the people. It was never meant to make them right with God. It wasn't like, hey, I have all these 613 laws, and if you just follow them really, really good, you're made right with me. That was never the intention. I mean, even in these laws, there's these laws for, for making sacrifices for sin. So God knows they're going to mess up. God knows they're not going to get it right. But the point of the law is to actually show the people, hey, this is the holiness, the character of God, and you can't do it. You can't measure up. You're, you, you have a problem. This problem is sin. And, you, and you, it's di- it was a, a diagnostic to show us that, that we need a cure, that there's something wrong with us. And so God gives them this law. The people agree to this. But he says, hey, this, uh, this covenant that, we, that we've made with one another, God and his people, there, there's something wrong with it. And then in, in verse uh, eight, or 8 and 9, it tells us what was wrong with it. So he says, for he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with, them, with their fathers, again, talking about, you know, with uh, Moses and, and the people, on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. And so he's saying, hey, the, the covenant that I made with you, it wasn't perfect. It had its faults. 
not because God was at fault, not because exactly the law or the covenant that God had made was the problem. It's because the people were the problem. They couldn't keep it. They, they had these problems. They had the, their sin, and they just couldn't live up to their end of the bargain. And so even when it says, hey, I showed no concern for them, that, that, that's not saying, God, I'm out of this, saying I'm out of this relationship. He's just saying, hey, because you couldn't, you didn't do what you said, I can't, I'm, I'm not blessing you. You know, this is just part of the thing. I, I can't bless you because of what you've done. Now, I just want you to think about just for a minute how crazy all of this is. If, I mean, relationally speaking, if I'm in a relationship with this person, and I said, hey, I'm going to do this. I promise to do this. I promise to have this kind of relationship with you. And, and here, here's some things that I promise that I won't do to betray our relationship. And if I do those things and, I, and I, I live up to my promises and I actually even help the other person to do what they've said, but then the other person is not faithful. The other person doesn't do what they've promised to do. And let's say that they do it again and again and again and again. I don't know about you, but eventually if that happens to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of out. I'm done. You just continue to lie. You continue to be unfaithful to me. I think I'm just done with you. Right? I mean, even if that was one of your friends and they're in this relationship with somebody and somebody continues to be unfaithful, I think you'd say like, hey, man, I don't think this is ever going to stop I think you should just back out of this relationship. But I just want you to notice, that's not what God does here. That's not God, what God does with his people. That's not what God does with us. He says, hey, you are the problem. You have broken the covenant. You're not faithful, but I will establish a new covenant with you. I'm still coming after you to bring you into relationship with me. This is what I'm doing. You've messed up, but this is all by God's grace. So wonderful, so beautiful. And this, this new covenant, it's built on these better promises. And he lists these four promises in verses 10 through 12. And again, just something that I, that's just so cool as we work through these promises here in verses 10 through 12. I mean, maybe just circle, underline, highlight how many times it's God says, I will do this. I will do this. Our whole faith, our whole belief is not built on how awesome we are. Or because, hey, I'm going to do this or I've done that. It's all based on what God has done for us, the faithfulness of God, not our own faithfulness. And it's just cool to see this. I mean, in, in these passages, um, it's quoted from Jeremiah 31, so the Old Testament, but again, just showing you, this is God, the faithfulness of God. So it's these four promises, and it starts there in verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house uh, of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law into their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. So this first promise that we see is this promise of internal change, internal change. I mean, without God, I'm, I'm, I'm sinful. My heart is far from him. I don't need somebody to merely just kind of like fix my heart. I need a new one. I mean, I don't need just like an upgrade, you know, like a phone upgrade of like, oh, hey, this will extend battery life and, and fix a few bugs, right? I don't, I don't need that. I need a new one. And that's what God, if you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's what he does. He gives us a new heart. This is what it says in Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give them a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. 
and I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to put this new heart in you, my spirit within you. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, hey, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone, or, or the old is gone, the new has come. God makes us new, this new creation with a new heart, and he does this by putting his spirit, his presence, himself in us. If you've trusted in Christ, God lives in you. God dwells in you, guides you, convicts you of sin, comforts you, is with you, leading you, speaking to you. I mean, one of the things that this means is that God is the authority of of your life. God has written his word on your hearts. So that means that social media, the news, the culture, your friends, your parents, they are not the authority of your life. God is. And so the the ways that I think, the things that I do are, are directed by the Lord because he lives in me. But all, God doesn't merely just tell us what to do you know, and give us the law because the law doesn't have the power to change us. I mean, whatever government makes, you know, as far as policy or any of these things, it doesn't change people. It doesn't make them more loving. It doesn't make them less discrimin- you know, against discrimination. It could say, hey, that's illegal, but it can't make somebody do that in their minds. And so when God says, hey, I'm putting my spirit within you, I'm giving you this new heart, it actually gives us the power to follow God. I mean, if somebody came to me and said, hey, Ricky, you know what the standard is? You know what we expect from you? You need to play basketball like LeBron James. Now, this is bad. I'm like 5'10". And also when I was in college and doing intramurals, bam. I was the guy that helped drag our team down from A-League intramurals to B-League. Like, no joke, one time my teammate, he was talking to the guy, and the, you know, the intramural guy's like, hey, you guys are pretty good. You might want to, you know, go back up to, you know, might want to go up to A-League. And literally my teammate goes, yeah, but, but I mean, like, Ricky's on our team, right? I'm like, and the guy, like, looks at me, and he's like, mm, yeah, I guess you could stay in B-League. <laughs> and I'm like, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. Right? Like, I, I can't do it. But, but if, if somehow, if all of LeBron's power, all of LeBron's ability, physical ability, shooting ability, passing ability, all of that was just put in me, then I could do it. Not because of my ability, but because of his. I now actually have the power to do that thing. And so for us, again, if you've if you trusted in Christ, God has given you the strength and the power to follow him. And so what that means for you, tomorrow, tonight, this week, You don't have to sin. Sin does not own you. It does not have power over you. It does not have dominion over you because you do not belong to sin. If you trust in Christ, you're not just a sinner. It's not who you are anymore. God owns you. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. And because of that, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. And so now you don't have to sin. And I I get it. Temptation and falling into it it is real and it's tough. I mean, I fall into it. But I mean, it could just be that moment where you just stop and think like, hey, wait a minute. I I don't have to do this. Yeah, part of me even wants to do this, but I don't have to do this because God has given me the strength. He He will provide it. And so he gives us the power to
to follow him, but he also gives us the desire to follow him. Gives us, he gives us new motivations, new delights, new desires. I want to follow God not because I have to, not because it's some rule or that's what a good Christian does or because there'll be some sort of consequence, but it's changed. My heart's changed. I mean, there are certain, I, I think a lot of us, we do things just because of the consequence that we might face. I mean, this morning when I was driving here on Highway 2, I was actually a little bit worried I might face a consequence because a policeman was in the median and it was foggy and I didn't see him. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I'm speeding. Don't. But he didn't give me, so praise God. Uh, yeah. But like the, the, the reason that I, that I follow the speed limit is not because I just love driving that speed. It's because I just don't want a ticket. And then I don't want a ticket because then my insurance will go up. That, that's the only reason I really do that. I would much rather prefer to drive fast and just get places quicker. And, and so when, you know, sometimes those consequences, they can be, you know, some, some okay motivation, but Jesus didn't come and die and rise again so that you could begrudgingly follow him and just do things because you have to do them or because there might be some sort of consequence attached to it. You know, it, it isn't like, well, man, I better do this because, because man, that, that way God's happy with me. God has made you new. He's given you his spirit living in you. You have the nature of God in you, living in you. And so as you continue to listen to the spirit, surrender to him, you will actually want to follow God more and more. Not because you have to or because there's some rule, because, because that's actually just who you are now in Christ. You're delighting in new things. You want the things of God. And so this first promise is a promise of internal change. Second promise is a privileged relationship with God. Look at the last part of verse 10. It says, and I will be their God and they will be my people. I want you to notice in here in these promises that God gives us, nowhere in here does he say, hey, and I promise you heaven when you die and you won't go to hell, right? I mean, if you've trusted in Christ, yeah, that is true. You, you, don't, you don't go to hell and you, you do get to go to heaven. And I mean, that's amazing. But heaven is not the point. Heaven is not the treasure. God's the treasure. We get God. We don't get just some like place. We get God, him. We get to know him. God reconciles us, brings us to himself. This is what Ephesians 2.13 says. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you, us, who were once far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Romans 5.10, it says, for if we, or if while we were enemies, enemies of God, we are reconciled, we're brought together, we're united to God by the death of his son. How much more than or will be, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? In Galatians, it says that God has put his spirit in us, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. Man, you're mine, and I'm yours. Man, you're, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you. You're mine. We, so we, we have this privileged relationship with God because, because of what Christ has done for us. And then the third promise is that we can know God directly. Verse 11. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, 
for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. So we get to know God directly. Under the old system, you didn't, you didn't really approach God directly. You had a priest. That was your guy. Hey, I've sinned. You go make sacrifices for me. You approach God for me. You, you kind of have the better access to God. And, but now, because of Jesus, we can know God directly. We don't need this human priest or some pastor for us to know God. We have free access to God. Earlier in Hebrews, this is what it says. Verse four, uh, or chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near, come close to the throne of grace, to God, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you remember those junior high dances? I don't know what it was like at, at yours, but this is what it was like at mine. So the guys, we would be over here, and then across the gym would be the girls. And then you would kind of be like, hey, man, gosh, Cindy, Cindy seems really cool. Man, hey, Cindy, man, Cindy's got some nice hair. I, man, I wonder what Cindy thinks of me. Hey, Trey, Trey, why don't you go talk to Cindy and see what she thinks. So then Trey, he walks across the gym and he's like, hey, Cindy, he talks to Cindy or one of Cindy's friend, like, hey, hey, Ricky, you know, yeah, you know, what, what do you think of Ricky? Well, you could tell Ricky, <laughs> you know, you could tell Ricky that, that I, I think that he has some really cool shoes. And then Trey walks back over here like, hey, man, she likes your shoes. Oh my gosh, go tell her, go tell her I like her eyes. You know, then, then he walks over there like, oh yeah. And, and, then, and then, you know, this goes on for a while. And then, and then it's like, well, my mom shows up. I got to go home now, you know? Um, and maybe you're thinking like, man, Ricky, your junior high stunk. Um, yeah, but, but that's kind of like what it was. Now, how much cooler would it be like, hey, I actually just get to hang out and dance with Cindy rather than just having Trey go talk to her for me, right? That's what we have in Christ. You don't depend on some pastor or some city group leader or your parents for you to know God. Sure, those can be great things. We can learn from each other and, and praise God that he's given us this body. I do not have better access to God than any of you. I sin, I mess up. I don't have anything better to offer God because I'm a, a paid Christian and a pastor. You have the same access because you've been purchased and covered by the same blood of Christ that I have. And we, say, we say, say this every once in a while, like, at the foot of the cross, we're all on level ground, right? It's not based on how good we are. We, we all have this direct access because of Jesus, not because of us. And so we have that in Christ. And then we come to this fourth promise, and it's really the first three. This is kind of the basis of, um, the fourth promise is the basis for the other three. This is why these other three, we can even have them. So in verse 12, it says, four... I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Fourth promise is the permanent forgiveness of sin. God pours out his mercy, his grace, and he remembers our sins no more. So the reason that we have the Holy Spirit, we have this new heart, his law written on, on, our, on our hearts and our minds, the reason that we can know God, that we can go to him directly, that we have this amazing relationship with God is because our sins are, are completely forgiven, completely forgiven, and they're not held against us anymore. None of, none of this new covenant is conditional. It, it, it's because we will mess up, we will continue to sin. And, and yeah, sin isn't okay, but, and it's not some little deal, but our sins are completely paid for, completely forgiven. 
And so it's not conditional. No longer is it, well, if I'm a good person or if I have a good day today, then God's happy with me, right? Or, or God will really like me and be pleased with me if I don't do that thing again, right? Or if I don't mess up too bad. Your past, present, and future sins are completely forgiven if you've trusted in Christ. And so the question that I have for you today is, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that today, that that thing that you did last night that you knew that you shouldn't have done with whoever you shouldn't have done it with, do you think that that's forgiven by the blood of Christ? That thing that you did last year, that thing that's been done to you, do you think that Christ has completely forgiven you? Or, I mean, I mean, like, be honest with yourself. Are you sitting here thinking, or like sometime this past week, thinking like, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, God loves me, but you know, I think when he kind of thinks of me, he's just kind of disappointed, or he's just kind of disgusted with me because that other thing that I've done. Or do you believe, yeah, I have fallen short and I have messed up, but Jesus paid the price in my place, all of it. And because of the grace and the mercy of God that has been poured out on me, I did nothing to get it, but it's just been poured out on me, I am completely forgiven. And just as the word says, he remembers my sins no more. Not a little bit later, not more tomorrow after I mess up, but completely no more because of Jesus. That's amazing. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, I just don't want you to believe the lie that God wants nothing to do with you or wants little to do with you because of something in your past. God sent his son, Jesus, to die for you because he wants everything to do with you for you to know him. And there is no sin that is too big for the cross of Christ. So my encouragement to you is, is, is stop running away from God. Don't think that, there, that some sin in your life is too big. Don't think that, you're, that you can somehow measure up to God or clean yourself up or fix yourself up. You can't. And God doesn't expect you. That's why he died for you in your place. So my encouragement, just turn to Christ. Turn away from disbelief. Turn away from whatever it is and, and give your life to Christ. So we see the, these four promises that the new covenant, that the, that the new way with Christ is, are, are, are better. And then in verse 13, it says this, and speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. So it's gone, it's done. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And that can maybe feel a little bit confusing, but what he's saying there is, hey, hey, it is done. It is obsolete. But the part that's vanishing away is that you continue to go back to it. You keep kind of, practicing. It's not completely done because you're not, you're, you're still practicing the old way. And so, I mean, when we go to the picture of the beach, why would you ever settle for the picture if you could have the real thing, right? Why would you ever settle for something less when you could have something so much greater? 
And so for you, my encouragement to you is, is, is don't settle for anything than the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come so that, and, and say, hey, try harder. Be really religious. Make sure you follow these rules. Make sure you check all these boxes. Jesus didn't come to kind of just make you a better person or make some bad people good. Jesus came to make us dead people, people that are separated from him, alive and joined with Christ. And so we have the, these, these amazing things, these better promises. Hey, it's not built on me and, and God has given his spirit in me. His power has made me new, his presence in me. And he takes us and he says, hey, this is this new relationship that we have. You can know me directly because your sins are completely forgiven. I remember them no more. That's what our relationship is built off of what Christ has done for you. So let's just continue to look. Hey, we can have that, the real thing. Not just a shadow, not just a copy. We get Christ. And in a moment, we just, we get to take communion together as a, as a church, as a family of, of God we get to take, you know, we get to dip this bread that reminds us of his body that is broken for us. We get to dip it in the juice, his blood that was shed for us. And we just get to remind ourselves of, of man, that this has all happened because of Christ's death and resurrection. And, and, if, and if you have trust in Christ, I just want to invite you, um, you know, to celebrate that, to partake of that with us. If you haven't trusted in Christ, you know, hey, no judgment, no, none of that. But I just say, hey, this just really isn't for you because you haven't trusted in Christ. Um, if you have, you know, if you're just saying like, hey, I also just need some time to pray, to remember really, to grasp, you know, what it is. I don't feel like you just have to follow your row in. You know, if you just say, hey, I just want to sit here and I just want to focus on God for a little bit, examine myself, maybe confess some sin to God, not because that makes me right with God, but just to, rem- to remember that, hey, God, Jesus has made me right with God. You know what? Feel free to just, you know, follow a different row, even if it's not yours. Well, let's just pray. And then we'll partake together.